0: If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome along to Episode 21 of the Early Excellence Podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about a very special and inspirational book – The book is called Rainbow Birds and it's been written by Claire Clitheroe, Jasmine Priestley and Maeve Birdsaw, part of the EYFS team at Co-op Academy Oakwood in Leeds. Now Rainbow Birds is a fabulous celebration of the powerful learning which has taken place at this fantastic setting over a number of years. I talked... two of the authors, Jasmine and Maeve, all about this really special book. And we talk about all sorts of things, really. We talk about creative approaches in the EYFS. We talk about really, really following children's interests. We talk about respectful learning relationships. And we also talk about some of the inspirational children who are featured in the book. Okay, here's the interview. I hope you enjoy it. Hello there Jasmine and Maeve how are you both are you okay hello I'm good thank you so thank you very much for joining me for the podcast episode um we're talking of course all about your new book we're talking all about rainbow rainbow birds your new book um just before we talk about the book should we give we, we probably should give people who are listening at home an idea of where you're at and your setting and what your setting is like if that's all right Is that okay? So can you introduce the setting for us, first of all?
1: Yeah, so um, we are quite a large school in Leeds. Um, We have um, a foundation stage, so we've got nursery and reception together. Um, We've got two reception classes
2: and we have a nursery. Yeah, I mean, I think over the years we've done a lot of work with early excellence as well, which is, um, you know, we've, we've displayed a lot of our projects, early excellence, and that's kind of one of our, the biggest ways that we work is through child-initiated projects and responding to children's interests. Um, so that, that is something that comes out very clearly in the book, how we respond to what children are fascinated in.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think what what always strikes me about whenever I've been to visit you, and I have, of course, over the years, I've, I've popped in and visited quite a few times. What always strikes me is the, the way that when you talk about your children, you talk about your children, not in a kind of a, a sort of a deficit model kind of way, but very much in a really in a way that you, it shows that you that their ideas and their interests and fascinations and their talents are really valued. I think that is something that I think always shouts whenever I come to visit you. So, you know, the, um, you always talk, when I have, whenever I ask about what your children are doing, they always say things like, you know, we've got such talented children you know our children are so clever they are so interesting and interested in so many different things and i think that for me is what always stands out about your setting is that you have that real open attitude to really nurturing and supporting your children's interests and fascinations and, and very much that positivity around around your approach right? which which is infectious i think
2: thank you andy i think along with the, the word you use valuing I think along with that goes respect um, and yes. I, th- I think we have a very um, high level of respect for what children are interested in and what they are fascinated in and we think very carefully about how we respond to that so quite often Jasmine might come to me and tell me something that's happening in her class and we might just dis- will discuss it about what you know what we could offer next, what experience, what artifact and um, how we could respond to that individual child or it might be a group of children and i think that that valuing and respecting children is what really when we see children really thriving in our unit when we see you know the relationships that are built through doing this and their self-esteem it just rockets really
0: yeah absolutely
1: i think because we have seen such amazing things come from these projects and come from the children's fascinations and interests we just continue to work that way because um, you'll see through the book um, that, you know, some of these stories are, are year, year, it's over quite a few years. But we have seen such amazing potential that children have that um, we know continuing to work in this way, it works and we can see amazing results from children because of it.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so tell, us, um, tell us about the book then. Tell us about you know where where did the idea for the book start?
1: Go on, Jasmine. We've been we've been talking about it for a really long time, haven't we? We've wanted to write this book that involves um, because we've had so many exciting projects. We do, we always say to each other, "Oh, we need to write about this. We need to share this because um, you know such amazing stories that we've got of um, that have come from children's interests and fascinations." Um, And then we wrote Wrinkle People, which is a book that just documents one small project. And we really wanted to um, write a book that documented a few of our projects.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the the projects themselves then are, are projects that are partly from this year or perhaps last year, but actually some of them date back a few years. Is that right?
2: Yeah, some of them date back. Uh, even even five years, I think, and I think what what you'll see in the book is very wide ranging starting points. You know, it might be that a child sees something on the shelf that they're interested in. It might be um, a repeated behaviour or a repeated um some, you know, something that children are interested in that we we pick up on that we respond to. Um, so starting points come from lots of different um, places, really. It can be the interest of an adult as well that often uh, comes into it.
1: And during when while we were writing the book as well, we were just adding and adding and adding because really exciting things were happening at, at the time. So we had ideas of what we were going to include in the book, but actually a lot of it started to be really current stuff because it was there and it was happening and we thought, oh, we've got to put this in. So it just grew. <laughs>
2: room we, we ended up having some quite difficult choices to make between yeah. certain projects Um, but yeah we, we feel that a lot of the stuff that we put in from last year especially was was really exciting really really amazing stuff.
0: Fantastic so tell us about the title Rainbow Birds how did you come by the title what, what did that emerge from?
2: Well I had a, a little girl in nursery last year and oh. she was very interested in rainbows and colour and paint and drawing and art and in response to that one day we set up a rainbow table with lots of rainbow artifacts and color and um we just took it from there really i had a well i've got a friend who specializes in very colorful art and i showed her a book of his and we also shared with her that we were writing a book about art and um said that you know we don't know what to call it have you got any ideas and she she developed this story about rainbow birds and, and said, let's call it Rainbow Birds. So it kind of stuck, really. If you want an idea, ask the children, because we, we were really stuck. Um, throughout the book, we really want the children's
1: voices to be heard, so we've got a lot of quotes from the children. We really want um, the readers to be able to hear the children, so we just thought the title has to be a child's words, like that just made sense to us. And
2: she actually designed the front cover and, and including the lettering as well.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Which I think is, again, one of those things that I think really stands out about your setting. And that is the idea of really valuing the child's voice that you didn't even consider the idea that you would name it, but that actually it has got to be, it's got to be appropriate to yeah. the book, hasn't it? And yeah. and that I think really very much shouts whenever you go into your setting, that all around you, there are these fantastic creative displays where the children's voices are come across loud and clear right the way through. That you, you know, that you can see and hear the children's voices, you can see their words displayed and it's all very much valued. You can see the impact of that which is uh, wonderful I think. I think.
2: Yeah, I think that comes through a lot of what's on the wall but I think it, it in a very kind of practical way as well it comes through during the morning meetings and um, you know the, the fact that children have that opportunity to speak and bounce off each other's ideas and develop their own ideas and sometimes they might just follow one child's lead or you know other times it might be a group of children and i think that's that's very important that children feel that their ideas are listened to and valued and that they have a voice and i think that does come over really loud and clear in rainbow birds
0: yes yeah absolutely that that i think that in that idea of having a morning meeting where you're talking about what do you think you're going to go off and do, what sorts of things are you interested in at the moment, what projects are emerging, all of those discussions, I think are such a strong, powerful way of valuing the children, but also a fantastic way for you as adults to make sure that you are tuning into what it is that they are interested in so that you can support them further, you know, and you can develop those ideas with them, that idea of being alongside them, supporting them and nurturing them really comes from you knowing what it is they're fascinated by doesn't it I think
2: yeah and I also think with with that word you used alongside we there are quite a few examples in the book where we are genuinely you know learning things alongside the children as well and finding out things and being that excited learner alongside the children which is fantastic for them to see
1: yeah and they can they can see our excitement and they can see that we don't know everything. And actually we have to research and we have to investigate. And I think it's important that we um, teach our children the, those skills. You know, it isn't that we know everything and we're going to tell you. It's actually like, let's find out together. Um, at the moment, I've got a tie-dye Project and we've been looking into you know how to make certain patterns and um you know because obviously I I don't know everything about how to tie dye but actually finding out together they know they're valued and um that we're a team
0: absolutely and I think that point that idea of being alongside um and and learning together where you don't know the answers I think that's really important I don't think that's something that is used enough really as part of early years education. I think quite often we feel as adults that we've got to have the kind of the greater knowledge about something in order to be able to support the children's knowledge. When actually, I think quite often the opposite is the case that the the more effective learning moments happen when we as adults don't know about something, whatever that might be, and that we match the children's curiosity on it and we wonder about it together. Because the children, I think, young children, even very young children, I think pick up on when we're pretending to not know something. I think they know. As much as you try and act it out, they know when we are pretending to be interested or pretending to not know and pretending to say, well, I wonder what would happen if. They know when we're kind of pretending that. Whereas I don't think you can pretend when really you don't know what the moon is made of or whatever it might be, you know, whatever those questions might be, it's important we don't shy away from that curiosity and that questioning, because actually that's when I think adults model most effectively how to be a learner. And I think that's something that is a real strength of your practice that comes across loud and clear in the book that you don't shy away from those moments when you don't know something but actually you're prepared to say, Do you know what, I don't know either, but I'm interested and let's go and find out.
2: I think those are moments that we embrace and, and really seize, seize the opportunity and think, wow. And, and actually being really excited ourselves to find out what the answer is. And if, there, if indeed there is an answer, there isn't always one. I think sometimes as well being open
1: to things going in a completely different direction than you might have expected because I think sometimes you might show children an object or you might have you might have a little bit of an idea in your head oh I think they might ask this question or it might go in this direction but children will surprise you and they will take it and I think it's being open to that that actually you know we, this this could turn and go in into lots of different directions and that can be really exciting
2: yeah I was just thinking about a really a really good example of that in the book is where Isaac was interested in in wooden cogs that we had in the construction area and I just went to join them in their play and it, it led on to a lot of work about skeletons and what's inside the body and you, you'd never guess from playing with children, with quite large wooden cogs, you'd never um, predict that you, would, you were going to end up doing a project about the body and about skeletons and about body organs. You just, you could never have predicted that. And I think that element of surprise and uncertainty is something that we absolutely mm-hmm. love.
0: Yeah, you, you clearly thrive on that, I think. I think some people would really find that difficult. I think that not quite knowing where something is going... Can be quite scary for quite a lot of people, but I think it takes a certain certain person with certain skills and and confidence also to be able to say, actually, I don't know exactly where this is going to go, but that's fine. I don't have to know where exactly it's going, but I do need. I have got the skills to be able to support and nurture which in whichever way this direction goes.
2: I mean, we we've got certain things at the back of our mind that we're always conscious of, like yeah, you know, we 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 want our children to be good talkers and good listeners and. We want them to be able to be confident writers, and all those things are in the back of our mind. And but it's 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 approaching it in a way that makes it meaningful for the children and and makes it relevant for them. That you know the learning is so much deeper than if we were just to set out something that was pre-planned, if you like. Uh, today we're going to learn about this, um, and I think I think that's what gets that really deep level learning, and also develops those characteristics of effective learning as well, which are, are, yeah. are so, for me, they are absolutely key to it, to how a child learns.
0: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting about, about your the approach that you have is that, a bit like what you were saying before about the idea of exploring construction, then led into discussions about the human body and skeleton and all of those those potentially challenging conversations, difficult conversations about the human body and um, quite complex discussions. Um, that what I think comes across loud and clear is that there is there's no glass ceiling in terms of your approach, um, and it's often on training. I refer to one of your projects. So there's a there's a part of our training around the new EYFS framework where we, where we talk about, um, development matters. So we talk about the non-statutory guidance development matters, and there's a quote in it from Julian Grenier talking about how, in terms of what he, how he envisages development matters being used, he envisages it being used as the basic element of what we want all children to have. However, it's the floor, not the ceiling, is what he says. So it's the it's the, ba- it's the basic offer of what every child should have. It's the starting point. It's not everything. And I think that quote, the floor, not the ceiling, I think is interesting. I think what you do is you've taken off the ceiling. There isn't a glass ceiling to what you're providing. You're saying, actually, let's see where this goes. And I think sometimes that is quite challenging for people. I think as teachers and practitioners, if we're If the children were talking about the skeleton, for example, you might sort of start to shy away from that and say, well, actually, that's something that you'll be covering later on in school. You know, that's something you might be covering in key stage one or key stage two. And I don't know whether to talk about this at this point or how much detail to go into. Whereas actually, you don't do that. I think in your practice, you say, actually, let's see how far we can go with this and really challenge the children, challenge yourselves in terms of how far you go um one of the projects that i, I don't um i don't know whether you, whether this is something that you've that that went further than this on the uh, as part of the project i'm not sure but it within one of your projects that I remember was the blood project and um children fascinated by how the how blood was transported around the human body pumped around by the heart and the photographs from that that I saw there, that 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 you shared with us that I've then shared on training are fantastic you know, that looking at the human body.
2: It's interesting you mentioned that, Andy, because I've just been talking about Isaac, who was interested in cogs and then skeletons. And we actually got the the old blood project book out, the big floor book that documented that project from about, would you say, about four years ago, Jasmine? Um, and we, we got that out and showed them the, the old project book and it became part of... Um, a response to them and their fascinations and apart from the fact that they love seeing a big brother in there or a cousin or a friend they were really inspired by some of the work that the children had done about blood in there and and, and in turn that led on to uh, other things in in our what was then current project which is that was in nursery last year yeah
0: that's fascinating isn't it using past documentation to to use that to talk with the children about what they're interested in, I think that adds another dimension to it altogether, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, it became, I suppose, a bit like a, a textbook, but one written by children, really, because most of the most of the documentation in there was children's drawing, children's photographs, um, with a bit of bit of writing from the practitioner. So, yeah, incredible.
1: Yeah, and the, and during that project, we did. You know, the children were talking about things like platelets and blood cells and arteries and all sorts of things. And they were able to use that vocabulary. And um, I think actually it became a really exciting thing for them that they did know about these things. And they um, so we didn't not tell them about about it because... Actually, they were just fascinated in learning even more. They just wanted to know so um you know, and there were some things as well that we had to research ourselves as adults. We didn't know everything, and then that was again learning together and I remember the year one teacher that they went to. she said, "Oh, wow, they know so much about the body and she really kind of embraced, so they were doing some things about the body in year one, but she really embraced the fact that they were so confident and they knew knew a lot already
2: and um i um, think they they started uh, they started to ask questions about has a spider got a brain has a spider got blood and things like that so it kind of widened um you know what 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 they were wondering about what they were curious about so one thing led to another again
0: i tell you one thing that i'm so pleased about in terms of the book i know within within the book you've got um justin is featured within the book. His projects are featured. Um, Justin is somebody that, of course, I've I i know I've met and know a bit about because we use a lot of the films and images of Justin and all sorts of fascinating projects that he was involved in. We often use that as part of our training. Um, and of course, we had on display a lot of Justin's work at the center as well, and he came to visit, so I met him then. Um but just tell tell everybody if you if people haven't don't know about Justin from from your setting tell tell us about Justin would you just give us a bit of a, an idea of what give give people an idea of, of Justin he's now year 6 isn't he he's, he's a lot older now but give us an idea of Justin
1: Um well the book is about art so we when we were writing it obviously we thought well we can't do a book about art work without including Justin because he is an incredibly talented artist and fascinated in flowers and nature. Um, So Maeve might tell you a little bit more about him when he started nursery. He was very unsettled. And that's when Maeve um, found out about this love of nature and and then he started drawing and we were
2: just blown away. Yeah, and I think what we saw, once we kind of tuned into what he was interested in, his... He you know, began to settle, his self-esteem grew. And by the end of reception, you know, to say that he'd come into nursery with no English at all, by the end of reception, he was a confident storyteller. He was very sociable. um, Self-esteem was so high. And we, we just couldn't believe it and, it. and his art continued to just blow us away, especially his flower art. I mean, if he drew a tulip, you knew it was a tulip. If he drew bluebells, you knew there were bluebells. It, it was just his drawings kind of began to take on a botanical look. And the care with which he drew and painted were just amazing. But You'll see examples of that in the book.
1: We really knew that with Justin, we had to nurture this interest because when he started nursery, he'd never been away from his mommy. Um, got quite upset and then once you know we were bringing things in for him flowers and so when he came into reception we continued that we'd we'd bring flowers in for him to draw and when he started writing he used to write in flowers um, and he did that for quite a while but then actually he did start to write and he started to write letters so we just as a whole team we just really nurtured this interest because we knew that it was so important for him and so important to build him up and build his self-esteem. And actually, he was such a confident boy when he left us. So
0: Fantastic. And that, of course, is something, yeah, when people get the book, they will want to read all about Justin and about all of the other projects as well. Um, Really, really interesting and exciting book. Um, So how can people get hold of the book? How can people get it?
1: If you go onto our school website or if you follow us on Twitter, there's a link there Um, and there is a QR code to scan and it will link you to PayPal and then
2: that's how you get the book. There have been a few issues with the PayPal. So if if anyone is having a problem, my email address is on the link on the school website. So please email.
0: Yeah. And, absolutely well worth getting yourself a copy, no doubt at all. So £10 uh, for a copy or eleven if you're collecting from school or £11 if you would like it to be posted out to you and it is the best £11 you will spend this year, I guarantee it. Um, it is packed full of inspiring stories, wonderful engagements with children, such such inspiration there within a book. So yeah, I would absolutely, uh, absolutely wholeheartedly guarantee that you will you will find it inspirational. So yeah, well worth getting yourself a copy. Um Maeve and Jasmine, thank you so much for 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 sharing with us about the book, talking it through with us, uh, telling us all about it. Um, A really inspirational book. And uh, yeah, thank you ever so much for that.
2: It's a pleasure, thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, thank
0: you. Good to see you.
2: You too. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Okay, there you go. Really inspirational stuff. A big thank you to Maeve and Jasmine for the interview there. Now, as Maeve mentioned, Rainbow Birds is available to purchase on the Co-op Academy Oakwood website. We'll also put a link as well in the podcast information so that you can click straight on it. It'll take you straight to the website and you can order your copy. Uh, Money from the sale of the book is being donated to Mind Charity, which of course is a great cause and it's a fantastic book as well. Um, Now, next week, next week, we're taking a week off for half term, but we'll be back with a new episode the week after. So whenever you happen to be on your half term break, I hope you have a fantastic break. Have a really good rest, a well-deserved rest, and we will see you soon.